As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic edition of The Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports, joined, as always, by Jesse Granger in Vegas and Russo in, I'm assuming, still... New Jersey, correct? Yeah, uh, get catch a train. Actually, our guest today, Matt Boldy, has a train right uh, at the same time as mine. Unfortunately, I don't get to go on the really cool charter train that the Minnesota Wild gets to go on. I'm on a on a, a regular train with all the lowly folks. Doesn't look like it though, does it, Jesse? We were joking right before we started recording this podcast. Russo's usually got a hat on, a t-shirt, whatever. He looks all. <laughs> All gussied up. People can see it yeah. now on the YouTube channel for for the Athletic <laughs> Hockey Show. But yeah, you, you look like you actually dressed up for the train trip. He looks like he's ready yeah, for I, a charter train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the '40s when they used to. Like, you get on an airplane or a train, you put a suit on. But uh, yeah, as as it, Russo actually right. mentioned. Yeah, like, go ahead. Like, like the the full disclosure is that it's a two game trip. I only brought one sports coat, so I sort of have to wear the sports coat on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, I couldn't put on a sweatshirt or something like that. So there you go. All right. Well, people are going to tune in just to see how you look now. But as you mentioned, Matt Boldy is going to be joining us from the Minnesota Wild. And sometimes just things work out in favor of whoever books a guest. Uh, I don't know how you can have a better lead up for a guest who has a hat trick and then follows that up with a buzzer beater in overtime. But that's what Matt Boldy's done his last two games. He's going to celebrate by talking to us. So make sure you uh, tune into that one. <laughs> In the second half of the show. That's the first thing I said to him in the postgame locker room. I'm like, man, we picked a good day to have you on the <laughs> podcast in the morning. How much are you looking forward to that? So Just just crazy. Uh, but we, we, we go through everything throughout the week, as, as regular listeners know. So we've got to talk a little bit about everything. And, when you know, we usually, just to let people know how this show kind of works, we have a document and we're constantly adding and subtracting stories that we want to talk about. And then there's always the question of order. And at least for me, guys... When a Wayne Gretzky record gets broken, I put it at the top of the show. So I'm going to put this at the top of the show. I know we've talked a lot about Alexander Ovechkin and his 
goal scoring prowess over his 17 years in the NHL. But last night he scored his 40th goal of the season, his 13th 40 goal season, passing the great one for the most in NHL history. Uh, of course, Gretzky had 40 goals in 12 of his 20 NHL seasons. Ovechkin has at least 40 goals in all but three of his 16 full NHL seasons. The only time he didn't score 40, uh, 2010, 2011 in that brief, what's wrong with Alexander Ovechkin phase? Then in 2012, 2013, when it was shortened by a lockout. And then in 2020, 2021, when the season was shortened because of COVID. So really, guys, uh, this speaks to what we always talk about with Alexander Ovechkin. Elite goal scorer but the most consistent goal scorer ever. And now he's got the numbers to prove it. Russo, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, look, he scored two against the Wild the other night, and and he does it. I mean, it, I've never seen a guy that you know where he's going to shoot from, and he just yeah. scores. I mean, it's just, it truly is amazing. And as you mentioned, Rob, I mean, imagine what his numbers would be at. We'd probably be talking already as as him as the, we. I don't think probably would be, as the all-time leading goal scorer in NHL history already, if it wasn't for those two, three interrupted seasons that he's had. Um, he's just, um, you know, to me, um, the best goal scorer that I've ever seen in my in my days uh, covering the sport. Um, <laughs> I was laughing when you were introducing him because when he scored two goals the other night against Washington, Mark Parrish was doing pre and post, and I told him I was going to start calling him a, a two-time almost 30-goal scorer because he, cause he, he had 29 one year. And, uh, and, uh, obviously top 30 the other time. Sorry. Sorry, Perry. Um, and I told, by the way, Audra Martin to open every segment with Mark Parrish by saying that from now on. Um, but he's just a special guy. That's why the Florida Panthers tried to draft him in the, like the fifth, seventh and ninth rounds in 2003. Yeah. Ovechkin, you mentioned how many times he's obviously had the 40 goal season. Now to me, the most impressive part about it is all those seasons that Gretzky had with 40 or more goals. Not a single one came after he was 30. Um, his, his last 40-goal season was in his 30-year-old season. And Ovechkin is now doing it at 37. And this is the fifth time he scored 40 or more since he turned 30. Um, just incredible. Like You look at these two players' careers. We're obviously going to compare them till the end of times right now, the way he's chasing his record. That's what really stands out is the fact that Ovechkin is doing this at a much older age than than Gretzky did. Obviously, Gretzky racked up a lot more goals early in his career, but the longevity of Ovechkin's goal scoring ability is ridiculous. With no signs of showing slowing down in any right. way, shape or form. That's it. It's not as if we're seeing that slow decline where suddenly a 30 goal season's a big deal, a 25 goal season's a big deal. No signs of slowing down. And how many people could say they have a chance in one season to break two Gretzky goal-scoring records? Because if Alexander Ovechkin is able to score 10 more goals in Washington's final 10 games, which is not out of the realm of possibility, he will pass Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-goal seasons with 10. And I, I've heard a lot of people, I saw it last night on Twitter too, kind of mocking the 40-goal season. Like, really, are we counting 40-goal seasons? The 50 goal yeah. season is the benchmark. If he could, if he scores 10 more goals and you have more 40 and 50 goal seasons than anyone in history, I don't care if he retires tomorrow. He's the greatest goal scorer that ever lived. You know what I've wondered awesome, off, often, and I, I'd love one day, Jesse, for you to ask George McPhee this, but I wonder if Alex regrets that 13 year, 120, what was it, $24 million deal that he signed in like 2008? Because you, I mean, if you think about it, he's made nine and a half pretty much his entire career. And I mean, this is a guy that should be a 14, 15 million dollar player all this time. And he got ahead of the game. The Caps, I thought, did a great contract at the time. I think at the time, a lot of people were like, whoa, what are you doing? But in, in hindsight, you know, you kind of wonder if uh, George McPhee feels like that was one of the best business decisions that he's ever made. Yeah, I mean, he he's making money from those life insurance commercials, though, with uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, <laughs> though, right? So he'll be all right. <laughs> Good point. So the eyes will still be on Alexander Ovechkin. He's sitting at 820, Gretzky at 894, and records are falling. Let's keep moving on, guys. Uh, head out to Colorado because Jared Bednar going to be sticking around there probably for the next few years, signed a three-year extension uh, with the Avalanche. You know, you look at what he's done in his career, just wins at every level. He's the only coach ever to win an ECHL title, a Kelly Cup, 
with the South Carolina Stingrays in 09, a Calder Cup title with the Lake Erie Monsters in 2016, and then, of course, that big silver trophy they give out at the end of every NHL season. Um, And it seems like just yesterday, going into the playoffs last year, people were saying, if this team doesn't make a run, his job is in serious jeopardy, and now he's got a little bit more a little bit more of a cushion with this three-year extension. What are your thoughts on this, Jesse? Yeah, I'll admit I was one of the people who was, I don't want to say low on Jared Bednar because I didn't think he was a bad coach, but I thought he was, I thought the Avalanche were underperforming under him. Um, I was pretty critical of Bednar, especially the year before they lost to Vegas. Um, so I was up up close watching this when they lost to the Golden Knights um, in the second round. And it just felt like he got out coached. Like I thought he wasn't making adjustments. The Golden Knights started shutting them down the neutral zone and they really struggled. And I was I was one of the people saying, if he doesn't get it done this year, you've got to find another coach because this team's too talented. And he clearly has found a way to get it done. And then now this year, sometimes coaches have to do their best coaching in years that aren't as impressive. Like this isn't the president's trophy that they've had the last couple seasons. But with all these injuries, he's had to do a lot more coaching this year than in past years. You look down this lineup and there are a lot of young players playing major roles for this team, and they're still finding a way to be in playoff position. Um, I saw last year with Vegas when big players go down, it's very easy to miss the playoffs. And this team has not done that. Um, I think Bednar's done a great job and I've definitely turned around my opinion. I was one of the people kind of saying he should be on the hot seat. Not anymore. He he deserves the three-year extension. He's a great coach. And if you remember when he was originally hired, it was what August of 2000 and um, I think 16. And I was actually in front of the Pepsi center at the time when Patrick Watt resigned suddenly um, that early, a couple of weeks earlier, I was like up there for trampled by turtles concert or something. And, uh, and I was driving, and I was driving up to up the mountain to go to go to this concert. And all of a sudden, the news comes out right in front of the Pepsi Center that Patrick Watt quit. And you're just like, what the heck? Two weeks later, they hired Jared Bedmar straight off the Calder Cup, if I remember correctly. But I remember that first year they had like 22 wins. They had like 40 something points. Everybody was like, this guy must be the worst coach in the world. They lose the lottery and fall into that awful defenseman, Kale McCarr. Um, you know, <laughs> like like. And, and you just you, you start to think like, you know, you know, next year they get 40 wins. I think they, they, they lost in the first round. Um, but you just wondered, like, all right, at some point, though, will there be that time where Joe Sackick and eventually Chris McFarland make that move and hire the coach that they probably wanted to be the heir apparent to Bednar when they first hired him? You know, sometimes you think as a placeholder and he's they were patient with him. Um, I think he's grown as a coach. We've seen him hold his stars accountable. And he's just got this presence, you know, just being around them during the Stanley Cup final last year when I was covering it for us. Like he's just he does have this really cool presence about this team and he could sure coach. And um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a great move by the organization to get him locked down, obviously. And uh, I think that we're starting to see a Colorado team right now that's just primed to take over this conference. They're on fire. I think they're going to win the division. Um, and there's just there's just that team right now is I think uh, maybe earlier this year when they were banged up got also got a little bored now they're suddenly realizing they got their eye on what really matters and it's a second straight cup and we'll see if they can do it. Well, that leads us into that. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff races because we're certainly at the point of the year where I don't know about you guys. I'm constantly looking at the standings way more than mm-hmm. I do any other time, be- yep. and especially you look at the West. I mean, you you take the teams that are in the top three positions in each division, you add the four teams that are battling for a wild card spot, and the number of points that separate them are sitting at a grand total of 12, which is just bananas in the West. A, a five or six game winning streak, and suddenly you, you go from a wild card team to first overall in, in, the, uh, in the, the conference. What's most intriguing to you? We'll start in the West. We'll hit both conferences, but we'll start in the West. Jesse, what what's really jumps out to you as a guy who covers a team who's now sitting in first place in the conference? Yeah, I mean, it's they're winning too. This isn't a case of teams are all bunched up because nobody can pull away. Like the Golden Knights have the best record since the All-Star break in the entire NHL. They're like, I think, 13-2 and two or something, and they're tied with the Kings atop the Pacific. Uh, I, actually, I think they took a two-point lead last night, but... Basically, every night, those two are either two points away or tied. 
And yeah, it's just, it's really jumbled. There's 12 games. The Golden Knights play pretty much all Pacific Division and Western Conference opponents from here out. So these teams are going to be playing each other a lot. So, you know, the whole uh, cliche four point game, those really matter when the standings are this tight. Like it's going to swing a lot. These games are going to be fun. I don't remember the last time there were like this many meaningful games, um, not just to make the playoffs, but for the standings. And that can make a big difference with the seeding matchups and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I guess to me, the most intriguing team is probably Calgary. They had the highest expectations coming in. Like I think they were the favorites to win the Pacific Division, them or Edmonton. And they haven't been good for most of the year, but it does look like they're playing a little better. Um, Jacob Markstrom's playing a little better in net. I think that if they do get in, they can be a tough matchup. They've got the talent, obviously. If the thing, if everything clicks, they're a physical, heavy team that that kind of thrives in in playoff style hockey. Um, I don't think. I think teams in the West would rather not play Calgary. Would be my guess. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, um, I I would agree. I think a lot of teams are hoping to finish first so they could play Winnipeg. Um, you know, I mean, Winnipeg right now, they're just if they if they get in, they just do not look like a formidable opponent uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. Just has not have not played well for some time. Um, Nashville is a weird team, too. Right. I mean, it, you know, obviously we had David Poyle on a couple of weeks ago. He made some moves to essentially start the retooling of that franchise. Then they go to places like New York, get their butts kicked, but then they rebound and they figure out a way, you know, in terms of points percentage, they're right on they're They're technically in ninth. Um, you know, ahead of Calgary because they have three games in hand. Um, I, I'm kind of intrigued, though, with what, what's going on in the Central Division, guys. I mean, you know, again, it's just jockeying for for a while last night uh, after the Wild beat the uh, Devils in overtime on Boldy's an overtime winner um, right at the buzzer. Uh, the Wild were actually in first place for the first time all year. And then Jamie Benn says, hold my beer and scores with seven tenths of a second. Before the Dallas Stars did the normal losing in the overtime, they have 14 overtime loss points this year. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, that is unbelievable. And so you have this Dallas, Minnesota jockeying right now, but then you have Colorado sitting there right from behind. They've won some of the last 10, seven of the last 10 games. They have two games in hand on both of them, only two points behind. And I think a lot of us just expect, especially because I think Dallas and Colorado have the easier schedules that Colorado is going to wind up winning the division and Dallas and Minnesota are going to be playing each other in the first round. And Dallas has played really well against the wild, uh, you know, not just this year, but for, for many years. So it's just going to be really interesting. I think what happens in the central, uh, the rest of the way here, you mentioned Dallas and, and over- the loser point, sorry, Dallas no, and the ahead. loser point. They are, they have 90 points. They're atop the division. If you just take away all their loser points, which I think we should, they're not even close to the playoffs. They're, they're way outside the playoffs. Like they're like in 10th place and uh, probably have no chance of making the playoffs. Just thought I'd yeah. mention that. <laughs> not the yeah, Dallas. Like, you know, I, I will say, I will say conversely, uh, you know, a team like the wild, I think they lead the league in overtime and shootout wins. So, you know, you could almost say, all right, you know, if that's flipped, it's sort right. of the same thing. That's just the league that we're in. It's how they I keep everything it. close. But you're right. I mean, I used to joke all the time back when this was a, a, you know, back in the day, you made the playoffs and you could have pretty much be a 500 team, right? Or, or and, you know, you theoretically in the tie system could go oh oh in 82 with that and, and and make the playoffs. And it just seems like, you know, it just seems like the Dallas Stars are putting that to the test right now. I remember talking to Pete DeBoer at the All-Star game. Uh, Jesse, if you remember that, we were talking about like some changes that could happen in overtime. He just, I just want to win one of these games once in a while because at the time they were also leading the league uh, in, in overtime and shootout losses. And then over in the East, for me, the most intriguing is just down at the bottom, the, 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 the race for the wild card, because could we have a Stanley Cup playoffs without both the Penguins and the Capitals? In there, I mean, we haven't seen the Penguins miss the playoffs since 0506, the Capitals since 2014. Uh, I mean, Ottawa and Buffalo, hats off for making it exciting, but that's not going to happen. But I mean, is it going to be Florida and the Islanders in those wild card spots? What's more exciting as a hockey fan? What, what do you guys think as far as those two wild card spots go? Because I just, it seems weird to me to think no Crosby or Ovechkin in the playoffs. Russo? Yeah, I don't think they're making it. I think Florida's getting in, and I, I definitely think the Islanders are getting in. I mean, they got they got the maybe the best goalie in the world right now in Sorokin. Um, you know, sorry to Linus Allmark, but I mean Sorokin, he, the guy is just unbelievable too. Um, 
but I, I just I don't know what's going on with the with the Penguins, and I, I I will say as a media member, I am thoroughly entertained by right now the beat writers in Pittsburgh just like trying to outrage each other. <laughs> it's like every single day is just like who can write the nastier story about the Penguins, and so I think it'd almost be funny if they go in, get into the playoffs and like here here's your gift for doing that playing the Boston Bruins in the first round. Um, I think Florida makes it really disappointed with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, you know, I, I've, I I just cannot believe the way that they've fallen down here. Um, you know, losing what eight of the last ten games at least, and just uh, you know, getting spanked against teams that they shouldn't get spanked. Um, it's it's on I, their I home think ice. It's a, on their home yeah, ice. Yeah, exactly. Too. You know, and that game obviously it's the Bruins is the Bruins, but on a second of a back to back with travel coming from Minnesota to Buffalo, which is not an easy flight. Um, uh, really, really interesting. And the other team that it does intrigue me right now are the Rangers. Doesn't it feel like right now they are just finding themselves? Uh, they're, they're suddenly they've put in all these pieces like Kane and Tarasenko, and they just suddenly look like a team that is realizing how good they could be. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. In terms of hockey fans, what's the most exciting? I think you're looking at those top teams, Carolina and Boston. Who are they going to play in the first round? And to me. If they're playing Pittsburgh and Washington, we've seen this story a million times, and they aren't going to beat them. Not that the Islanders and Panthers are going to beat them, but I think there's a little more intrigue there, and, and Michael mentioned it, Ilya Sorokin. If there's someone that can cast doubt on, in the Bruins and, and can give us a series, I already see it in my head right now. Ilya Sorokin, 46 save shutout game one. Islanders are up and everyone in Boston goes, oh no, here we go. If there's a guy who can take that Boston team down on his own, it's Ilya Sorokin. I want to see it. I want to see the Islanders against Boston. I don't think they're going to win. I think the Bruins are way better and they've got a goalie that's just as good behind an even stronger team in, in Olmark. But that's the way you take down. Like the only way one of these wildcard teams can take down a team as good as Boston is with a goalie that just loses his mind for for four out of seven games. And if there's a guy that can do it, it's Olmark. So I think from an from an entertainment perspective, I would much rather see the island. And like same thing with like Panthers Hurricanes. I think the Panthers can skate with the Hurricanes. I, they haven't played well this season. They've we we keep expecting this team to be the 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 team of last year. Um, in terms of the offense they can score, and they just haven't. But I believe they can turn it on more than a Pittsburgh or a Washington. So um, from from an entertainment in the first round perspective, I'd rather see Islanders and Panthers in there. Rob, don't you think this podcast deserves Boston versus the Islanders just to see Jesse just geek out for seven games with Allmark and Sorokin? I was about to say, I hope you enjoy a triple overtime, zero, yes. zero, you know, type series. We'll see it like... I, I, as someone who's known to wager a dollar or two on the outcome of a hockey game, under, 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 blindly put whatever number. If it's <laughs> two and a half, I'm like under. You know, it's just there's no way that's going to be a high scoring series. But maybe that, every time I say that, that it's like, well, the score after uh, three periods is seven to five Bruins. Um, one more story, guys, before we get to break in Matt Boldy, and it's a story that just seems to keep coming up on. Not only our show, but anyone who talks hockey, it involves pride jerseys and it uh, reared its ugly head again this week. In case you've been living under a rock, if you remember earlier this season, Ivan Provorov boycotted his team's scheduled pride night in January. Days later, the Rangers said they're not going to have a pride-themed jersey night as they had originally scheduled. Earlier this month, the Wild declined to wear pride jerseys during warm-up and now uh, James Reimer enters the discussion. He refused to wear a pride jersey during warm-up, saying it was because of his religious beliefs. He released a statement, and the statement ended with the following quote, I strongly believe that every person has value and worth, and the LGBTQIA plus community, like all others, should be welcomed in all aspects of the game of hockey. End quote. But I'm not going to wear their jersey. Um when you saw this story and everything that came out after it, is it starting to get a little exhausting seeing this or is, is this just almost, I hate to say it, but the tip of the iceberg, is this not going to go away? Russo. Yeah, I, I don't think so uh, that it is going to go away. And I think that definitely the precedent has been set. Um, you know, I am one of those people that think that everybody should, you know, that, that everybody should 
have their own beliefs and you're able to do uh, what you want and freedom and all that stuff. But I just think that in this situation, I just think, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't like it. I don't like what it says to, um, you know, like Luke Propick the other day puts out the statement and just imagine him walking into that locker room now. And if he's going to ever feel comfortable, if he ever, you know, played for the Sharks or with James Reimer and you, you know, it just felt like we're going backwards there. And then, you know, I, I don't like the, and I, and I will preface this by saying that I am not the most religious person in the world, but I just, I, I do, I'm very cynical when people blame or not blame, that might be the wrong word, but, but use religion as an excuse because it does feel like certain parts of everybody's religion is cherry picked here. And there's a lot of things, um, as a devout Christian that, um, or Catholic that that James Reimer uh, basically is a hypocrite about every single time. Every time he plays a game on on Sunday, it's yep. it's it's break. You know, so I don't know. I, I just I I didn't like it, um, and I do think that this is going to be a topic in the NHL offices on how best to handle this because I think that the majority of teams are trying to do the right thing here um, with these Pride Nights, and then it just takes it. You know, when one guy does this, it just takes away from everything else. That they're trying to do good, and uh, and you know, I, I think that I do think the Sharks handled it right. Like I think that it was smart to get ahead of it and not do what the Wild did a couple weeks ago and almost you know pretend like it. You know, let, let's hope that people don't realize that we're not wearing the jerseys. So at least here they they handled it in from that perspective. Yeah, I agree with Michael that I do not like the message it sends when a player doesn't want to wear a jersey, and then he comes out with the statement. That basically says the opposite of what message he's sending by not wanting to wear the jersey. Rob read the quote. Everyone from this community is welcome in the NHL, except your actions just showed the exact opposite. Yep. Um, and I just don't. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth. I don't like putting out a statement that says I am totally welcoming everyone into hockey except for if you want me to wear this jersey that shows that I'm not doing it because that's what the jerseys show. The jerseys are designed to show everyone's welcome in hockey. And if you agree with that, you have no problem wearing the jersey because that's all it signifies. The jersey isn't signifying you're a member of that community or anything else that, that, that these players are, are acting like it signifies. All these jerseys are meant to signify is that this group of people, everyone in the world, is welcome in hockey. And if you don't want to wear the jersey, to me, you're saying they're not. That's right along the lines of what Brian Burke uh, said in response to this as well. I'll read you his quote. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, quote, I wish players would understand that the pride jerseys or pride sweaters are about inclusion and welcoming everybody. A player wearing pride colors or tape isn't endorsing a set of values or enlisting in a cause. He is saying you are welcome here. And you are in every single NHL building, end quote. And I said this during the Provorov situation as well. That's all this is. And I think people are missing the point a lot of the same way they missed the Colin Kaepernick point and every, everything else that you see all the time. If, if James Reimer is doing this and there's someone on his team who is part of that community and maybe hasn't let anyone know about it, you're say, saying to this player, I don't have your back. I'm not going to have your back. I can't even do the bare minimum, which uh, nobody's asking you to, to be an advocate publicly or, you know, march in parades or anything. They're asking you to wear a jersey just to say, hey, guys, as the NHL has been pumping in our face for years now, if you can play, you can play. You're welcome in this dressing room. And, and certain players are flat out saying, no, absolutely not. And the, I, I agree with everything the both of you just said. The message it sends out, for the league, as a member of that team, just as a whole, is just it's it's ugly. It's just not it's not what hockey usually is about, which is you know you fight for the the, the crest on the front of your jersey and the guy sitting next to you in the dressing room. It just doesn't feel that to me. And I, I've said this before, and I know it, and it, it's gotten me in hot water on Twitter with some people that are offended by what I'm saying. But the people that are getting up in arms in support of these actions. I, it is so hypocritical, the reaction. I mean, they're acting like freedom, freedom. You have your own personal beliefs and all that stuff. If all of a sudden a player tomorrow said, you know what? I'm not going to take it, take part in U.S. military appreciation night. Those same people would be flipping the heck out. Yep. 
Okay, so it is about the jersey specifically that these people are getting up in arms about. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And unfortunately, I think Russo might be right. This is I don't know if this is going to go away because I really thought after the Provorov situation, people or teams or players would be a little afraid to step out on that ledge like that. And it just doesn't seem that way. So and we've seen multiple cases now. And I will be I'll be interested to see how the league handles this. Right. Because, I mean, you know, it's just because. It takes these instances, if it's going to just continue to grow and grow and grow, it really does take away of what the event's all about. So do you do you just go back to like, you know, all right, we're going to have, you know, uh, hockey fights cancer night and we'll have the military appreciation and that's it. And no more special jerseys, but we still do these nights. Do we just have one all encompassing night that celebrates everything like I? At some, the league is going to have to actually have to have a conversation about this because next season, this is not just going to stop. It's probably going to become more of a thing. And, you know, again, I actually feel bad for like, you know, in Philadelphia, there's a great example is that those players tried, you know, James Van Riemsdyk and who was it? Scott Lawton. They tried to do this incredible thing. And yet all the story was about was Provorov, Provorov, Provorov. And that become it's even with the wild the other night you know it's like the jersey became the talking point but not all the initiatives that were going on actually at the arena that night or what john merrill did in bringing out people and giving them a swede and things like that that's not that was not what was talked about and so if this is going to continue to be this distraction you don't want to give the players an out by saying all right we're not going to have jerseys on any team but the league is going to have to have an honest discussion this this year on what's going to go into future seasons Um, So this doesn't become the distraction where it just takes away from what they're trying to achieve. Well said, Mike. We'll leave it there. Coming up after the break, Matt Boldy of the Minnesota Wild. We gave him a night of rest because he's had a pretty busy couple of games and he's going to come on to talk to us about hat tricks, buzzer beaters, and everything else Minnesota Wild. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, guys, I know in March, it's not a shocker to see buzzer beaters, but usually we're talking college basketball when we're talking about buzzer beaters. But last night, Matt Boldy pulled off one for the wild in overtime, and that was fresh off a hat trick, too. So he has two crazy good games, and then he comes on and talks to us. Matt Boldy, the Minnesota Wild, joining us on the Athletic Podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. No worries. (laughs) Got to start with the OT goal. Um how much gas did you have left in the tank? Because, you know, you, you get the puck, your own zone, and it felt like one of those video games where the, the turbo's almost out, and I'm just sitting there, just make it. If he gets a shot, this thing could go in. How much gas was in the tank for that OT goal? Yeah, there wasn't much, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of just, just put your head down and go as much as you could, but... um I mean, I wasn't too sure about how much time was left either. So it honestly helped me out. It didn't stress me out too much. Matt, as a uh, first of all, as a huge Pats fan, I got to think that you like that you celebrated right in front of Eli Manning yesterday. I don't know if you saw that uh, that picture of you celebrating and right behind you is a very bummed Eli Manning. Um, but uh, I wanted to know. Uh, so after the game last night, Mason Show was saying that him and Durer and Duhame were on the bench giving you grief as you were going back on the back check chasing Jack Hughes saying to get the piano off your back. Did you actually hear that from the, from the bench or, or do you not hear stuff like that? Not from the bench, but I hear it about every other game from, from <laughs> those three. Um, yeah. They're some of my best friends. So 
I definitely, uh, we're definitely uh, not afraid to chirp each other. And that's, that's one that I get quite a bit from those three. And what was funny is yesterday morning in the, uh, when I was talking to you about coming on the podcast uh, at the morning skate, Shaw was make sh- said to you to make sure to give them credit for all the work that they do for you guys. Yeah, exactly. No, those guys are great. Like I said, they're some of my best friends. So they make, uh, they make this whole experience and, and playing in, in the NHL even more fun and just, just having some of your best friends with you. We've mentioned your two game stretch. What's better, hat trick or uh, buzzer beater in overtime? Uh, I'll take either one. I, I'm not going not gonna to be too picky about it, but uh, uh, I'll take the hat trick before the, the buzzer beater. At, uh, Matt, I've gotten to know your family really well. Uh, you know, I've met your, your, you know, your stepmom, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your stepbrothers, everything. Um, your dad is uh, somebody that I've gotten really Im- immense amount of respect for. I mean, he's, he's a police officer that's assigned to the DA. Um, we were in Boston this year and the next day he had some big bust planned and he said that's like his game day. Um, you know, what, it, what was it like growing up in that type of environment and how much do you just respect, um, you know, how, how big of an influence was that on you uh, growing up? Yeah, I think it played a big role. Just, um, I mean, obviously my, my parents raised me and all my siblings with, uh, with certain values and stuff like that. And I think uh, we definitely were, they weren't too strict, but they definitely um, kept kept us tight and, and held us to, to being good people. And I think um, just stuff like that, I think it played a big role. Um, respect learning learning ways to to be a good person and stuff like that but definitely uh just the right way to live life and and definitely to to stay away from drugs in terms of my dad and, and what he does so it's um you kind of learn the the crazy part of life that some people go through stuff like that and it's it's an interesting way but um yeah it definitely played a big role Speaking of being a good person, I was reading Russo's piece and, you know, it was brought up that your 20th goal cashed in a nice little uh, bonus for you. <laughs> and Ryan Reeves says, well, I guess we got a team dinner coming soon. Uh, <laughs> did, did, did the check magically appear at your hands when uh, a team dinner uh, happened after, you know, cashing in that nice little $212,000 bonus? Not yet, but I'm sure they're, they're going to try. <laughs> um yeah, it's uh, it's all fun though. I mean, those guys are, are the reason that that bonuses like that happen. I mean, I'm not out there doing it by myself. Guys are guys are helping me and making plays and making it real easy for me. So the more you give back to your teammates, the the better off you are. Matt, I was talking to Jack Hughes yesterday morning about you, and obviously he had a a ton of incredible stuff to s- say about you about your time you know in Ann Arbor playing internationally, putting on the USA jersey and, and things like that. And, and you look at those rosters of those teams. I mean, you, you know, the Caulfields and the Zegerses and obviously Hughes and, and, and all that. What was that whole experience like kind of growing up in that program with such incredible players? And how much does that, you know, how much did it drive you then to keep up with them? But how much does it also even at this point to see all of you guys succeeding in the NHL? Is there that competition? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I think we had eight first rounders. So it's... uh it's it was just exciting. I mean, going to the rink every day. I think that program was the best thing that ever happened for me. Um, just just the person I am and how competitive I am, being able to go there and be with those guys and, and see it firsthand and and compete with them every day was was something that played a big role in just me and how I approached hockey and, and kind of figured everything out. You think being around all those guys kind of pushed you all? Yeah, for sure. I think you go to practice every day. We were practicing for, for an hour, hour and a half every day and staying on the ice with those guys, just talking to each other. I mean, not only are you playing hockey with these guys, you're with them 24-7, so they're some of your best friends. So, I mean, you learn a lot from each other. You learn different ways to play. I mean, you look at all those guys you just mentioned and everyone plays a different way, but I think we we're able to kind of help each other out and, and talk to each other about certain things that we're all able to kind of pick up new stuff and and stuff like that. Along those lines with Kaprizov, I got to ask you, obviously with an injury now, but he just strikes me as someone who would blow your mind almost more in practice, uh, watching him just try new things because the things he does in a game make fans jump out of their seats. But 
what's he like just watching in practice, even just warming up in practice? Does he do things that, that blow your mind every day? Uh, he definitely has the ability to. Um, I mean, you give him a lot of credit. I mean, for for as big of a superstar he is and how good he is, he, he plays the hard way. He doesn't do it easy. He doesn't play only skilled. He plays so hard and, and competes and, and wins battles and uses his body and stuff like that, which you don't see too much. But I think just, just that aspect of it, I think, impresses all of us so much just because he has all the skill in the world and that's that's honestly his last resort when it comes to to making plays on the ice. He he wants to play the hard way. He wants to forecheck and and hit guys and and kind of get into to spaces to score goals. But like I said, it's it's not it's not the soft and perimeter and cute way. It's 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 the hard way, and, and he does a pretty good job of it. Obviously, Matt, you guys are four one and one without without Kirill, and I, I think that. You know, you know as well as anybody. Uh, I think a lot of times when an injury happens to somebody that impactful on a team, I think there's doom and gloom anytime. But especially in Minnesota, where where you know fans and media sometimes can 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 really you know just almost have this fatalist attitude. What what it happened? You know, is it like what happened inside that room that allowed you guys to all of a sudden come together and continue playing as well as that you were before uh, he went out? Because you were on fire before. You you've been on fire since. Um, and especially you in particular stepping up with six goals and 10 points in the six games that he's been out. Yeah, not much change to be honest. I think, um, I mean, it's, it's no secret that he's our best player. And when, when guys like that go down, it's, it sucks and it's a little bit deflating and you don't really know what to expect. And yeah, it could have gone the other way. We, we could have lost all these games and we felt sorry for ourselves and stuff like that, but but we didn't, I think, and that, that speaks a lot to just kind of the group we have. But yeah, it's, you're not going to change it. You're not going to go back in time and, and change the play where he gets hurt. So the quicker that you're able to kind of process that and and realize that he's out and we need to keep winning games to, to get into playoffs and, and get a good seed and stuff like that, the, the better off we're going to be. So I think, I think we processed it quick and in a good way in terms of, that we weren't going to feel sorry for ourselves or, or like we weren't going to be a good team because he wasn't playing. But obviously we, we want him back in our lineup. He's, he's unbelievable. And I mean, you guys see it every night, just like us. Uh, Matt also similarly, uh, you know, you guys really stumbled out of the all-star break and, and you had a bad loss against the Vegas golden Knights at home. And we wrote a story the other day where Marcus Foligno and a couple guys were really honest in the fact that you had a real frank team meeting after that game. Billy said some stuff. Dean said some stuff. The leaders on the team said some stuff. And yet now you're 13 and one and three since then. Um, how, without sharing the inside details of what happens in a meeting like that, as a youngster, you know, you as, as a hockey fan growing up, you always hear about these closed doors, team meetings and, and things like that. What is it like for a young guy to be part of that? And what w- what was the overall message in that meeting that really helped you guys get to the point where you have been on such a tear? Yeah, I think uh, I think just just honestly relaxed. I think we at that point we things weren't going our way. We lost a couple in a row, and we weren't playing. We weren't playing our style. We weren't playing how we play, smart, defensive, and and going from there, we were kind of just all over the place. So I think the more that we were able to kind of settle down and relax and, and play our own game and and play how we know how to play rather than trying to, to keep up with these teams that, that run and gun and, and want to score six or seven goals a night, it's, it's kind of just stuff like that, and I think... Obviously, it, it hit pretty well with our group, and I think that's that's a good thing. Um, I wouldn't say that we have a crazy amount of meetings or anything like that, or or guys yelling at each other left and right. But it's guys are when people speak up, people listen, and um, obviously that goes a long way when when you only hear it a couple times rather than than it being harped on over and over and over again, which which is obviously a, a pretty nice thing as a player. On a lighter note, I'd like to ask you, so I, I covered Marc-Andre Fleury quite a bit here in Vegas, and uh, I always love asking guys um, how he's pranked them, and I know he loves picking on the young players, so I'm wondering if he's got you, if you've got a good uh, flower prank story for us. I I haven't gotten pranked by flower, but... Um, I, see, uh, I've heard that. differently, actually. 
<laughs> wow. Well, I, I, I heard you maybe you don't know it was him, but I, I heard that he got you in Montreal last season with like oh, a shaving cream he towel. Got, he got me shaving cream towel. Yeah, he did get <laughs> me with that actually, but that wasn't a, that wasn't too bad. He got like five guys that day with a shaving cream towel. Um, he did get me there. I forgot about that. But what exactly happened? So all the towels are like folded up in our shower and. Basically, he opened a few of them up and then shaving cream all in them in the white towel so you can't really see it. You just grab it and start drying yourself off, but it's got shaving cream in it, so you get shaving cream all over yourself. But I think uh, the best one I've seen, and I don't know for sure if this was him, but I would assume it was right after trade deadline last year where he came to our team. He he got Duhame's car with the packing peanuts, just filled it all the way to the top um during one of our games and i thought that was a pretty good one yeah that's the one thing jonathan marshall so will say the 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 thing that makes it tough with flower is that he will deny it till he dies like no like poker (laughs) face everything like uh but the one the flower told me the shaving cream one in montreal and i don't know if it was you or galagoski that got it first but but either it was you matt or or goose that put the shaving cream on it and the other one was laughing hysterically and then they grabbed the towel and did the exact same thing so yeah, I, I was the one laughing and then did the same thing. So, um, yeah, it, it blends in pretty good. You don't know yeah. I guess. Yeah. Does no one hey, ever get flower back? That's what I always wonder. I yeah. see all the pranks for, uh, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury did this, Marc-Andre Fleury did that. Get him back. Yeah. There was, uh, who's it on Ottawa? Is it Nick, Nick, Hol- Nick Holden, Matt, uh, this year, like flower during the morning skate, went into their changing room and painted his dress shoes like green and red. So, so, um, yeah, that's the thing. You get flower back and then if he finds yeah. out at you, he comes back at you again, twice as hard. So that's, that's the tough part. So there's fear of, of him, of you don't want to put the target on your back for me. Yeah. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Just keep doing what you're doing and maybe you won't, he'll leave you alone. He's like, I can't, I can't mess with this guy. He's, he's buzzer beating yeah. us and, and he's in a hat tricks. I can't mess with him. Yeah, he's not. He's definitely yeah, not going to cut into your sticks or anything like that. Um, hey, Matt, just <laughs> lastly, um, you know, obviously, last uh, a couple of months ago, you signed the big seven-year, forty-nine million dollar extension, and I think a lot of us thought that you were going to go bridge deal and the team would go bridge deal. And and um, but what what made you want to commit long term to the Wild? And just how excited are you about the future? Um, not just long term, but really the prospect of this season, where you guys just look right now, you're playing your best hockey at the best time of year. Yeah, for me, it was there wasn't really a question when when it was offered that the long term deal it was it was pretty automatic for me. I think um, I absolutely love it in Minnesota. To be, to be honest with you, and I think just the the management, the staff, everything that we have going, it's it's the best case scenario, honestly. And and I absolutely love it. And they've been so good to me, along with just my teammates and in the locker room that we have and kind of what what Billy's created here with with everyone else and kind of the character that everyone's organization kind of has it's it was pretty easy to to want to be here for a long period of time and like I said when when that was on the table that was that was definitely what I wanted to do and of course you love the beat writers so (laughs) yeah exactly That was the only thing he was wavering on. He's like, should I sign this deal? I gotta, I gotta see Russo every day. Are you kidding? (laughs) Seven more years of Russo. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, 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 Jesse and I can sympathize. Uh, Matt, (laughs) thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on. Keep up the, uh, the crazy run you're on and we'll get you on next time too. So next time we book you as a guest, you'll, you'll, you'll have to do the exact same thing. So you come in red hot. Thanks so much for doing this. All right. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a safe train ride. Yeah, have a good one. That Boldy of the Minnesota Well. After the break, rapid fire. So don't go anywhere. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, boys, my favorite time of the show and yours, rapid fire. And we've got five topics. Russo, I'm looking at you. While we're doing it, just look up the word rapid. You'll know what you're supposed to do. Uh, Topic number one, in a shocking turn of events, Jordan Bennington uh, got mad on the ice. He was bumped by Ryan Hartman after a goal, went after him, gave him a blocker to the face. Marc-Andre Fleury comes to the other end of the ice, wants to fight, but the linesmen say no. Bennington gets a two-game suspension, and fans went home saying, we almost saw a goalie fight. Jesse, you know I'm starting with you on this one. How do you not let Fleury fight him? Come on. Jordan Bennington needs to get in a fight, and I want to say he needs to get his ass kicked, but maybe he'll win the fight. But Jordan Bennington needs to get in a fight because he's been asking for one for too long. Blockering someone in the face while they're celebrating a goal, I don't know how that fight doesn't happen. They should have let Flurry do it. If there's a guy in the league that needs to do it, it's Flurry. They should have let it happen. I'm so disappointed. I'm actually glad they didn't. Uh, First of all, Bennington was so unstable. I think he would have absolutely destroyed Flower. Uh, I love Flower, but I don't see him as a fighter. Um, And, you know, like, and and look, he's Flower has said he's gotten into one fight in his life and he broke his knuckle. And the Wild have bigger aspirations right now than the St. Louis Blues. I just think it would be a big mistake. Um, The one thing I'll say is Jordan Bennington's got a freak. They got to get him some some. I don't know what they've got to do. They Anger management. Sit down with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to say therapy, but they got to figure this out because he is so easy to play against right now because he is so unraveled at times. And the second after the after he gave up a couple goals back to back and he skated to the wild bench, he started screaming at them and all that stuff. Ryan Hartman said they knew that they had him. And don't I, I cover Ryan Hartman on a daily basis. He knew exactly what he was doing. That was not an accident. He clipped him intentionally. And he knew what the re- reaction was going to be of this guy. And that is that is not on Ryan Hartman. That's on Jordan Bennington. I'm making it extremely easy for opponents because they see when he unravels. By the way, if you haven't seen the mic'd up version with Marc-Andre oh. Fleury begging the linesman to let them go, be sure to go watch. Beauty. You, got, you just love Beauty. Fleury. Uh, rapid fire topic number two. You know what, Jesse? You're going to get to start two topics in a row because it's another <laughs> goalie situation. Uh, Jack Campbell. It's fair to say hasn't worked out in Edmonton thus far, year one of his five-year contract, and there is legit talk of a possible buyout in the offseason. Might be a tough move to actually make a move as far as if they want to try to trade him because he's got a 10-team no-trade clause, but uh, wow. I, I don't know. There were even the people who were the biggest critics of this signing. I don't think they would have thought after one year we'd be talking buyout. Yeah, it has not worked out just like every goalie move the Oilers have made since, what, Grant Fuhrer, uh, Bill Ran- Bill Ranford, maybe? Bill Ranford, uh, yeah. It's, it has been a very, very long time since a goalie move has worked out for that team, so I am shocked that this one hasn't worked out. They are so lucky that Stuart Skinner has come out of nowhere, and I don't know if he's the goalie to lead you on a deep playoff run, but he's certainly done better than Jack Campbell, and he's, he's allowed that team to be in the playoff race, so... They are very fortunate for uh, Stuart Skinner coming out of nowhere. I'll tell you, and it should be a cautionary tale to the Minnesota Wild guys because they have Philip Gustafson, same agent as Kurt, as Jack Campbell, uh, Kurt Overhart. You know that right now, the way that Gustafson is playing, who has just been, I mean, unbelievable this season. Unbelievable right there with uh, the top goalies in the league. You know, as a restrictive free agent, Kurt Overhart is going to be looking for the moon. And so the Wild better be careful here because, you know, also you don't want to go too long. Uh, 
Uh, you know, somebody that Jesse, I'm sure, is looking forward to watching as a pro is Jesper Wallstadt in the NHL. He is their first-round pick in the minors, having a really good year. Looks like he's a couple years away, so you can't go too long. But Gustafson, again, proved last night 47 saves. Unbelievable season. And uh, coincidentally, same agent as Jack Ham. Topic number three, Quinn Hughes becomes the first defenseman to record consecutive 60 assist seasons since Paul Coffey and Ray Bork did it back in 1993-1994. Also became the second skater in Canucks history to hit that 60 assist mark in multiple seasons, joining Henrik Sedin. I mean, we've, we've shit on the Canucks a lot this year. This has been a bright spot for them. He's just been incredible. Russo. Yeah, and I was looking at their stats yesterday, and you just look at guys like Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. We obviously know what Bo Horvat did, Quinn Hughes. Their offensive numbers in Vancouver are incredible. They can't defend and they can't stop the puck. So um, that's the, I think we've diagnosed what the issue is with the Canucks. Uh, Quinn Hughes is an unbelievably good offensive defenseman. Um, he's only could continue to get better. Um, I think a lot is uh, put on his plate defensively on that team, and I think it's incumbent on the uh, executives there in Vancouver to, to fix the way they are defensively to take some pressure off Quinn in future years. Yeah, I agree. I think he can be a lot better defensively, but I think a lot of it, like when you're being asked to be the driver of the offense and you're that young and you're expected to be the defensive anchor, it's going to be tough. Um, he, I got to watch him last night against the Golden Knights. Man, he's just so smooth back there. He just... It looks like he's floating on the ice, and he because he skates so well, it allows him to. He's not even worried about getting caught by the forechecker, and it allows him to see those those stretch passes up the ice. They obviously have some talented forwards that he can get the puck to, and that leads to a ton of assists. Two more guys. The league is changing jersey makers again. Fanatics are going to take over from uh, Adidas in the 2024 season. Uh, Adidas has been making them since 2017. Third company to make NHL jerseys since 2005. And it's the first time they are actually going to be doing it for one of the major four uh, leagues in North America. I know Sean Gentile wrote a piece about this on The Athletic. Fans are not happy about this one. Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I am not surprised. If you're, as a league, you've got a jersey maker that makes the good jerseys, Adidas. (laughs) They make the jerseys that are the ones the players wear. And then you've got a company that makes the shitty jerseys that are a third the price, but look a third the price. And again, this is not against fanatics. They are t- being told you are going to make the knockoff jerseys, not the knockoff, but the the non-game worn, the, the, not the jerseys the players wear. You're going to w- make the cheap ones. So for years, they've been making the cheap ones. And then you tell fans, oh, that those cheap ones you've been wearing, that company's making the good ones now. Of course, they're going to be upset. We don't know if fanatics can make a high quality jersey. I'm sure they probably can, but... I totally understand the reaction from the fans when you tell them all those bad jerseys that cost a third the price, they're going to make the good ones now. Um, totally normal reaction, exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this, by the way. Obviously, as you could tell, I'm not somebody that goes out and buys jerseys on a regular basis. So I didn't know all the uproar that would uh, take place. The only thing I'll say is that, one, we got to assume that the quality is going to improve. Right. The other thing that the fans seem to be uh, uh, up in arms about that I've seen all over Twitter is that, I guess there's a tendency that you buy a Fanatics jersey and it comes to you and the name of the jersey is completely misspelled or the number's wrong or you got (sighs) wrong number here, but the right number on the back. That will not happen. There will not be, you know, like Jonathan Marchessault next year is not going to suddenly be skating with his name spelled wrong and number 18 on his back and not, you know what I mean? Like it's first of all, the, the equipment trainers take care of that type of stuff. You don't have to worry about that. Names will be spelled right and numbers will be correct next season and beyond. And final one, Jesse, this one's just for you because the Monday boys do the Jack Adams award winner of the week. The coach that, you know, deserves the award, not for the entire season or the front runner of power rankings, but for that week. And of course, you're a goalie guy. So they want to know your Vesna trophy winner of the week. Take it away, Mr. Goalie expert. Who always wants to talk about goalies. Every time, Sor- uh, yeah, I think Sorokin <laughs> won it with one save last night. Did he not? I mean, yeah. that paddle save on the Leafs was insane. Yeah. Um, if you want to go for the whole week, though, to be fair to the rest of the league, Igor Shesterkin. I mean, Michael mentioned earlier that the Rangers look like they're coming into their own, and it's everyone's like, okay, these Tarasenko has been fitting in well. Kane, not 
quite as well, but it's starting to look better. This is starting to look like the team they thought could make a deep run. And I think the biggest part of that is Shesterkin has been solid all year, but he is now starting to round into that form that he was last year going into the playoffs. Uh, the Eastern Conference, it, they are going to be a major problem if Igor Shesterkin um, can play this well in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm going to, even though Sorokin had the save of the week, I'm going to go Igor Shesterkin for Vesna of the week. He has been spectacular. There you go. You had a lot of goalie talk today, Jesse. You got to be happy. Yeah. Pumped. And I'm disappointed. You know, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jesse's guy, has won yeah. seven straight games. What's he have to do to get in the Vesna conversation <laughs> with you, Jesse? There's so many good goalies right now. Oh, Jesse's the tough critic. Guys, 30 seconds or less. What are we working on this week? Russo. Um, I'm working on a feature on uh, Brock Faber, uh, who the Wild are going to sign the second the Gopher season ends, hopefully with a national championship. We're uh, working on that. Uh, and, uh, man, I, I don't know if I should give this out, but uh, Sean Gentili and I are working on a really um, you know, comprehensive story on the prospects of the NHL returning to Atlanta. And I guarantee it'll be a talk. Nice, nice. Jesse? Uh, I've got Golden Knights uh, coverage just as usual. These they got some big games coming up. They're going to Edmonton, and then they play the Oilers back here um, in Vegas. So two two games, eight points on the line for two teams that are right next to each other in the standings. Um, and a cool little piece on Teddy Bluger, who they traded for at the deadline, who's not really the biggest acquisition, but... The amount of time this guy starts in his defensive zone is absolutely staggering. Like, I, I'm looking at the numbers that you, you see how, what percentage of starts a guy gets in each zone. This guy's not allowed to play in the offensive zone, um, and he really, like, has embraced that role. So, uh, fun little story on Teddy Bluger and how often he starts in his own end. All right, we'll be sure to look out for those pieces. And before we go, you can go read those pieces. want to let you know, remember, you can subscribe to the Athletics NHL YouTube channel now. You can see our ugly mugs when we interview people like Matt Boldy. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash the athletic hockey show. And while you're there, other things you can look at. Mark Lazarus, his take on the whole James Reimer uh, fallout with Ian and Julian. You can hear Katie Strang talk about the allegations of hazing and abuse with Harvard's uh, women's hockey team with Craig and jo Sean. Plenty of great hockey content, so be sure to check that out. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown. I uh, want to thank Matt Boldy for coming on the show as well. For Russo, Jesse, I'm Rob. We're off next week, so we'll see you in two weeks, April the 4th.